Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, guys. It's so lovely to be with you. All some waves in the back. Hello. Do you know, this feels like such a big room compared to what I'm used to. I'll, I'll, I'll try and remember that I'm talking to the back of the room. I'm talking to the back of the room. So we are going to continue our series on Matthew, the clash of kingdoms. And for those of you who like to get your Bibles ready, we are going to be looking at Matthew 8, verses 18 to 34. I'm just giving you the heads up so that you know where we're heading. But, you know, before we get on to that, I just want to talk to you a little bit about cost. Um, it's, it's a word that we're hearing a lot at the moment because we're hearing about the cost of living crisis and we're concerned about the, the price of food going up and the price of our, you know, we're putting on a few extra jumpers, aren't we? And we're, we're thinking about the cost of all sorts of things. And, you know, oftentimes the cost of things is out of our control. It can be because of world events like a pandemic or it can be because of political decisions or whatever. But, you know, there are some things that we are in control of, aren't there, with regard to cost. So, you know, we go into the supermarket and we have the branded cereal and we have the supermarket zone and you look at them and I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I'm reading the back and thinking, is there a difference here? <laughs> you know, it's like, which one am I going to buy? What are we actually prepared to pay for something? So, let's have a look at this picture here. If someone is someone on the slides, okay, there will be someone on the slides in a minute, and then we will look at the picture that I have. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Okay, okay. So, what would you be prepared to pay for this cereal bowl? What is its value to you? Let's have some suggestions. What what would you pay for it? Two pounds, five pounds. It's it's quite a nice colour. I quite like the kind of bluey green. I that's that that's. That works for me. Yeah, any other suggestions? What would you pay for it, Jeff? I mean, what do I think it costs and what I pay for it? Aren't okay, we're going to get into a debate because it's Jeff. All right? <laughs> Four pounds, okay. So, this bowl sold at Sotheby's in 2017 for $37.68 million. dollars. Uh, it's my, it's apparently it's not a cereal bowl. Apparently it's a, a Rue Guarnier brush water bowl. Who knew, huh? But, um, you know, for one person, that bowl was worth that money. You know, that, that's, that's a little bit mind-blowing too, and, and perhaps a little bit sad to many of us. But another question then. Someone pays that for a cereal bowl water brush bowl um, what is what does a relationship cost not money necessarily but what do we pay what does it cost what do we pay for a relationship not money what would it be time attention, attention. Effort. effort so there are other things there are other things that we can count the cost of aren't there rather than financial costs and with people, that's often, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, kids cost money. Don't get me wrong. It's like, it's sometimes, it's, but, but often it's more than that, isn't it? And so, 
Does the, the value of the person um, to you personally determine the cost that you are willing to pay for that relationship? You know, what are you going to willing to give or sacrifice for that person? What are they worth to you? And you know, Jesus dealt with just this question in the passage we're going to turn to now. And we are entering the Gospel of Matthew right in the middle of the action. So just before this passage, so far in chapter 8, we've seen Jesus heal a leper, then the centurion's servant, then Peter's mother-in-law and many others, and the crowds are gathering. They're gathering. So let's turn to our Bibles or the screen and see how Jesus responds, shall we? We've got a little bit of a story going on here, Matthew 8, 18 to 34. So, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have their dens and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping and the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of a man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met them. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with that son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding and the demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and they went to the pigs and the whole herd rushed down a steep bank into the lake and died in the water. And those tending the pigs, they ran off and went into the town and, and reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And the whole town came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave the region. Wow. You know, it's such an exciting story. It's such an exciting story. So these guys have been seeing the, the, this, this story unfold and that the, the amazed crowds have gathered and right at the beginning of this teacher of the law is so excited by what's happening around Jesus and he says I'll follow you wherever you go and Jesus turns to him and challenges him with the cost what will it cost to follow him what are you willing to sacrifice so okay yeah so you know so often we want relationships without the cost. 
You know, in the secular world, world we live in, we often hear about the importance of valuing ourselves. You know, the L'Oreal advert, because you're worth it, or you're worth more than that. Don't forget to take some time out for yourself. And don't get me wrong, understanding the value that God places on you is of utmost importance. That's really important. But when it comes to relationships, we rarely hear about being willing to count the cost and make sacrifices without it seeming to be kind of weak and stupid. Because, you know, there's this like secular narrative that I see coming up in my social media feed that goes something along the lines of, you should be valued for who you are. Therefore, don't compromise on that. Ensure you're not hard done by. Make sure you're not taken for granted. Stand your ground. Because sometimes sacrifice in relationships can be depicted as being kind of naive and, and gullible. We don't want to be personally compromised. We're quite comfortable exactly where we are and with who we are, thank you very much. Like, why should, why should I have to compromise my lifestyle? And here Jesus challenges that, that way of thinking. He highlights the cost of following him, the cost of reliance on worldly security and comfort. Foxes have their dens, birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Follow Jesus and end up homeless. <laughs> but, you know, this, this, when we start thinking about that, it starts to, to eat into our, our real fear. You know, cost without relationship. You know, this can come from a place, we can, we, you know, this, this idea of self can come from a, a place of just being purely selfish, obviously. But sometimes I think it stems from a fear as well. I think it comes from a fear of a cost but without the relationship. The fear is, is that you'll end up being the one who gives and gives and gives and you get nothing in return. Like you won't get your needs met and you won't get what you even deserve. Like you'll lose yourself, maybe you'll lose years of your life and your hopes and your dreams, everything you wish for and in return receive nothing much back. And you know what, in truth, in worldly relationships we do sometimes see that happening. Relationships which are meant to be based on love are sometimes instead based on exploitation. You know, and maybe because we see that, or perhaps have even experienced that for ourselves, we can fear that in our walk with the Lord. So we hold back from him, put off fully committing everything to him, because we're not quite sure how it's going to turn out. Maybe, maybe it's too big a price to pay and, you know, that's what we see in verse 21 from the other disciple who wants to bury his father. You know, in Jesus' day, um, a devout Jew had a solemn and sacred routine morning prayer. It was regarded as the most important thing to do first before anything else in the morning. And, you know, there was just one exception to that. The one exception to you do your prayers was that you could go and bury your father. That's how important culturally this was deemed to be. So it might be expected that, that Jesus would agree with this man who says, first let me bury my father. And say, yes, go bury your father first. But shockingly, he put following himself above the importance of even giving the father, man's father a proper burial. Now, do bear in mind that in the Gospels, like for example in Mark 7, 11 to 13, Jesus does challenge those who are trying to avoid 
looking after, respecting their parents as they should. This is not a point about caring for others. This is a point about placing obedience to Jesus above everything else. We're not told here in the gospel the exact circumstances of the man's father. It could even be that he hadn't died yet. It might have just been that he was getting older and the man was using that as a way of postponing following Jesus for some time, maybe even several years. We're not to know. But what we do know is that what Jesus so shockingly to these Jewish hearts and minds says is that what he was doing was so important, so urgent and immediate that nothing else mattered. Whatever you were thinking of doing, this came first. And you know, that kind of loyalty is a great, great cost. Looking after those whom we love, like what could be more important than that? Surely that cost is too much. So if that's the cost, our security and our comfort and our absolute loyalty, what, really, what we really do need to ask is, what then, Lord? What are you offering us in return? You know, when I first sat down to start to prepare for this talk, I looked up these verses that I was asked to cover. And I made a really strange and beautiful discovery. You see, Jesus spoke some of these words, specifically verse 20, straight into my heart, really specifically during a difficult time in my life a few years ago. So Cap and I moved down to Birmingham about seven and a half years ago. And we really genuinely felt led by the Lord to do so. And I felt that even though I absolutely loved teaching, I taught for about 20 years up in Leeds, um, I was not meant to be looking for teaching jobs down here. And it also became apparent that neither did the Lord want me to look for a house to buy. Now, he clearly, really clearly asked me to give up the idea of owning my own home, which I had done for like most of my adult life. And that was really hard for me because my house in Leeds had been my security and my comfort and my sanctuary. And I cried out to the Lord and I said, but Lord, what will I do for a home? And he really, really clearly spoke to me straight away and he said, the foxes have their holes, the birds of the air have their nests, and the Son of Man has no place to put his head. And, and I said, Lord, you know, you know what this feels like. You've been in this situation. And he drew really close to me and he said, yeah, I know, I stand by you. I stand by you in this place. I know how you feel. And that was a really huge comfort to me. The Lord had been through what I was going through. He drew close to me in our shared experience. And I understood a little bit more about his sacrifice for me. Because he didn't just have to leave the leafy, clean suburbs of, of North Leeds to come into inner city Birmingham, which is what we did. He had to leave the beauty and the holiness of heaven. And you know, it was only when I prepared this talk and I read those words right under the subtitle of the cost of discipleship that I even thought of giving up my home as being a cost of my relationship with Jesus. I had thought of it as a way of connecting with him in a more intimate way. And I got to thinking that if at that time I'd actually got around to looking up where those words came from in the Bible, I think I might have felt a little bit resentful if it had been the cost of relationship. I thought, oh, so this is what you're asking me to pay to follow you, are you? You know, I would have been a little bit 
angry I think about that, but I didn't because Jesus was drawing me to himself with this really gentle and beautiful connection, saying, I, I feel what you feel, I know you, and now you know me a little bit better too. Because you see, you know what the Lord is offering us? Is he's offering us the opportunity for cost and relationship. Indeed, I might even go so far as to say relationship through cost because the things that we value are the things that we've chosen to pay the greatest price for. And I'll say that again. The things we value are the things that we have chosen to pay the greatest price for. And you know, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And in all of this, don't forget, he has already paid the cost of his relationship with you. When it comes to what you are worth, what you are worth to the Lord of the universe, you are worth his life. How much do we want to reciprocate that, to follow him? To press into that relationship so that he is the main influence in our lives, so that he's the one who changes us and no one and nothing else. So he is our first and foremost priority and we are his disciples and his friends. Back in our passage from Matthew, Jesus outlines the cost of following him and in, in the very next paragraph, we see Jesus' disciples follow him straight into a storm. In fact, there are two storms here. There's the physical one and a spiritual one, but we'll deal with the physical one first. He leads them straight into this storm. Remember, these are already his intimate friends. They've already paid a cost to follow him. They've left their families. They follow him and he leads them into a deadly storm. Check out the scripture if you've got it in front of you. He got in the boat. His disciples followed him. And you know, the Sea of Galilee is well known for its sudden violent storms. And here's a storm of such force that the disciples, several of whom are experienced fishermen and know these waters, were terrified. And they're crying out, Lord, save us, we're dying. And Jesus, Jesus is asleep. And it must have seemed strange to them that he could sleep in the midst of such a great storm, but he could sleep because his mind and heart were at peace and he trusted in the love and care of his Father in heaven. But why? Why does he lead them into this potentially fatal storm? Why would he do that? Because here's an opportunity for him to reveal a little more to them of who he is, to help them to understand his nature better and therefore have the opportunity to place more trust and faith in him when circumstances take a turn for the worse, and they do. It's the perfect opportunity for them to grow in their knowledge and understanding of him. And you know, once he's awake, before dealing with the storm, Jesus chides their little faith. You know, Jesus wasn't in a bad mood from being woken up. He was concerned at their fear, because fear and unbelief go together. When we trust God as we should trust him, there's little room left for fear. They actually had so many reasons to have faith. I went through with you all of the stuff that they had been seeing. So many significant miracles showing Jesus' great power and authority. And you know, this, but this new experience, this new experience leads them to a new understanding 
of him, it causes them to ask the really important question, what kind of a man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? In the span of a few moments, the disciples saw just the complete humanity of Jesus. He was tired and he needed to sleep. And also the fullness of his deity. They saw Jesus for who he was, truly man and truly God. They followed him into the storm and he revealed his power and nature to them. And honestly, this has been mine and Kaplan's experience in the most significant times of our Christian walk. We, on a number of occasions in our lives, have felt clearly led by the Lord into a situation. We've walked into it and it turns out to be a massive storm. And it's often threatening our livelihoods. And it shakes our faith and it makes us ask why and and question whether or not we, we actually heard the Lord in the first place. But you know, those situations have always ended with the Lord demonstrating that he is the Lord of every kind of storm that we find ourselves in. And that we have learned so much more about his supremacy over every situation, including homes and finance. And then we get to the finale of this chapter. Matthew reveals even more of the nature of Jesus and his power and his authority. So they get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and there's these two demon-possessed men and they're completely out of control. They are creating a storm of their own by terrorizing the locals and controlling this area because people couldn't go past, could they? They're controlling it with fear and violence. And these demon-possessed men clearly knew exactly who Jesus was, calling him the Son of God. They answered the questions that the disciples had posed in the previous paragraph. The demons see that he's the Messiah who's come to judge the world and put wrongs to right, and they know that they're in trouble. So Jesus allows the demons to go into these pigs. Now, did you ever read this story and think, poor pigs? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know I have. It's like, why not just send the demons back to hell? Like, what what are the pigs? What have they done? It's like, why allow this whole uh, herd of pigs to, to die? But, you know, one... One suggestion is that this incident reveals the true nature of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, the fact that the demons immediately drove the pigs to destruction reveals what the true intention of these demons was. You know, they were held back because we we hold the image of God. They were held back in the people, but not by the pigs. And, you know, again, Jesus demonstrates his complete supremacy here over a whole legion of demons have you ever felt like you're coming up against spiritual opposition you think "Mm, this is a little it's like jesus with a word go go he got rid of a whole legion of demons nothing no power neither physical nor spiritual is greater than him nothing You know, you'd have thought that the people from the local town would be pleased that Jesus had delivered these these men and and brought freedom into the area from the oppression and their violence. But the people who all came out to meet Jesus and then beg him to leave the region. Like, the amazing power of Jesus does not always make people feel comfortable. And not everybody is prepared to pay the cost of following him. 
So where, where are we? Where are we in all of this? Where, where are we in this story? Jesus is calling each of us into a deeper, a deeper relationship with us, calling us to come, come and follow me, he's saying. Come and know me better, more intimately. Now, I don't know where if you guys stand, maybe that for you might mean taking the first steps today and committing to follow him for the first time. Or it might mean laying down that thing that the Lord's been asking you to lay down for some time now. You may be currently in the middle of a really great storm that you really genuinely felt the Lord was leading you into and now wondering where is he in all of this? There may be a price that you know the Lord is asking you to pay. But remember, in all of this, our God is faithful and he is powerful and he's a God of, of love and peace and joy and abundance and he will never never leave you wanting for more you know to each of us the invitation and the opportunity is the same to know him better ever more intimately to draw ever more closer to him as we pick up our crosses and follow him we hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful why not come along and visit us we gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.